0: No Pilots Plain Tales, All Blood Runs Red This is a great plain tale, and my thanks to Larry Gregory for guiding me to it. It was 1960, and the President of France, Charles de Gaulle, was on a state visit to the United States of America. Upon arrival, he asked to meet a very special American. When the name was mentioned, there were blank looks from the White House staff, but after a great deal of scrabbling around, the man was finally located. He was a 65-year-old elevator operator who lived in a rough part of Harlem, New York. With the address in hand, two senior French officers in full uniform tried to find the building. On arriving in the street, one of the master local where the corporal that they were looking for lived. The neighbour asked who the hell he was, dressed up like a toy soldier, and to slow his mouth down and try to speak right. Finally, they were shown up a dirty, graffiti-painted stairwell to a little apartment. They knocked, and a small, tidy-looking black man answered. Once he was identified, they snapped to attention, saluted, and handed him an embossed invitation, written by the hand of the French President. It read, General de Gaulle, President of the French Republic, and Madame de Gaulle, request your presence at a reception on Tuesday, April 26, 1960 at 4.45pm. At the reception, the President and his wife spoke at length to this unknown, poor black man dressed in a worn uniform of the French Foreign Legion and the conversation ended with a heartfelt embrace after which de Gaulle named him a true French hero. Now, many of us know of the brave African-Americans who flew with the Tuskegee Airmen during the Second World War, but not so many of us know that there was a much-decorated black American fighter pilot who flew and fought in the previous World War. I commend this remarkable tale to you all. If you have never heard of the man, I wouldn't be surprised. Very few have. This is the story of Eugene Jacques Boulard. The story starts at the end of the Civil War and with the southern troops who were dragging themselves back home to Columbus, Georgia. A bedraggled soldier saw something move and he picked up a pile of rags to find a black baby boy left by the side of the road. Not knowing what to do, he gave the child to a nearby white girl, the daughter of the well-to-do Bullard family. The family took the child in, educated him, gave him work and their family name. He grew to be a tall, clever, well-spoken man who married a beautiful Creek Indian girl and from their marriage came seven surviving children the last of whom was Eugene. In a time when prejudice and mistreatment was commonplace to comfort the children, their parents would tell them of the French origins of the Boulard family, whom they say came from an almost mythical land of unmatched liberty, fraternity and equality. Eugene had only got as far as the fourth grade when a baying lynch mob drove his family from their home. At the age of eight, he ran and made it as far as a gypsy camp who took him in. He was told to look after their animals and over the years grew up to become a fine jockey, winning many races for them. They called him their little black sparrow at the time, though, he put away his share of winnings in the hope of travelling to the wonderful country of freedom that he had heard about, France. After years of wandering, aged only 12, he stowed away on a German ship in Norfolk, Virginia, bound for Aberdeen in Scotland. Eugene's unconventional life continued as he moved from job to job. Now a longshore man? and then selling fish, here working in an amusement park, being paid to dodge balls people threw at him, and there spending time in a gym learning to box. A good fighter, he fought as a welterweight, winning bouts in England, until he was finally offered a fight over the English Channel in Paris. The moment he set foot in France, he knew he belonged there. A quick learner, who picked up languages easily, he was soon boxing all over Europe, learning French and German as he went along. French democracy, he said, convinced me that God really did create all men equal. In 1914, the country was plunged into war. Eugene had turned 19 years of age, and with his friends, joining up to fight, he tried to follow them. But being an American, he was sent to join his fellow expatriates in the French Foreign Legion. The training was notoriously tough, but Eugene was very fit and found it much easier than many. He was assigned to the Moroccan Division, 3rd Marching Regiment, which contained 54 different nationalities. Eugene Boulard and his comrades were sent to the Somme Front, where 300,000 Frenchmen were lost by the end of November. Boulard and his fellow legionnaires did most of their fighting with the bayonet, assuming they weren't cut down by machine gun fire first. Because of German atrocities, the legionnaire officers ordered that no prisoners were to be taken, so the Germans retaliated by declaring that all captured legionnaires were to be shot. By May 9, 1915, they had lost so many men that their regiment was dissolved and combined into the 1st and 2nd regiments. At the Battle of Artois Ridge, 4,000 men fought, but only 1,700 survived. Boulard's company lost some 80% of its strength, with only 54 of its 250 men left standing. Eugene survived battle after battle. During the Champagne offensive, 500 men from his unit began, but at the first evening's roll call, only 31 remained, a 94% casualty rate. With a bad head wound, Eugene fought on. In the Legion, he said, as long as you could walk or your trigger finger is not out of commission, you are good for service. He even survived the Battle of Verdun, where more than a quarter of a million died, with a further 400,000 missing, gassed or wounded. Eugene became one of the wounded with severe leg damage, for which he was subsequently awarded the Croix de Guerre and the Medaille Militaire. His wounds were healing, but he was never going to be fit enough to serve with the infantry again. Instead, he was offered a chance to join the French Flying Corps. A wealthy American friend bet him $2,000 that he couldn't become a pilot. Perhaps bolstered by the challenge, he soon earned his wings from the aviation school in the city of Tours on May 5th, 1917, and just as promptly collected his prize. Eugene Bullard had just become the very first black fighter pilot in history. He learned to fly the Caudron G3 and G4, and before long he was serving with the now famous Lafayette Escadrille unit, the 93rd Aero Squadron, flying Newport and Spad 7s. Here, fighting a common enemy, he said, ''I was treated with respect and friendship, even by those from America.'' Then I knew at last that there are good and bad white men, just as there are good and bad black men. Now a corporal, Eugene, painted a red bleeding heart pierced by a knife on the fuselage of his spad. Below the heart was the inscription, «Tous la qui coulis et rouge. Roughly translated, it means «All blood » runs red. His first proper mission was in a Newport that he called a sweetheart to fly. It was September the 8th, 1917. He never missed a mission and claimed two kills. The first was never confirmed since the aircraft, a Fokker, went down behind enemy lines, but afterwards his mechanics counted 78 bullet holes in his plane. His second kill was in November 1917, and there was no doubt about this one. He shot down a German Feltz after the pilot went into a classic Immelmann turn in an attempt to come in from behind. Boulard ducked into a cloud bank and emerged below and to the right of his foe from where he slid in behind and shot the German down. When the United States entered the war, Eugene Boulard tried to transfer to his country's air force. By that time, he had fought for over three years in the war and been wounded four times. He had spent eight months in hospitals recovering from wounds, earned medals for valour, and was now a military pilot with confirmed kills. As an American, he was invited to transfer to the air service of the American Expeditionary Forces with the promise of being promoted. However, despite passing the physical, while other American pilots left to fight, Bullard's application was ignored for the remainder of the war. In October 1919, Eugene Boulard was discharged from the armed forces of France, a national hero of significant standing. He decided to remain in Paris and married a French countess, fathering three children, one boy and two girls. Sadly, the boy passed away soon after his birth. Eugene's marriage was not a success. After his wife inherited money, she wanted Eugene to retire so that he could join her socially full-time. But he loved people and the life he had built, so they eventually went their separate ways. By now, Eugene owned part of a nightclub and ran a popular athletic club. In the evenings, he could be found hosting the nightclub Le grand Duc where he entertained the likes of Ernest Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Gloria Swanson and English royalty such as the Prince of Wales. Soon after his marriage he opened his own club, which fast became one of Paris's most famous entertainment spots for singers and musicians of the time. Eugene counted Josephine Baker, Langston Hughes and Louis Armstrong amongst his friends. When World War II began in September 1939, Eugene agreed to a request from the French government to spy on German citizens who still frequented his nightclub. When the Germans invaded France, his club and Eugene himself became hugely popular with the occupying German officers. What they didn't know, however, was that he spoke fluent German and was working as a spy. The Germans arrogantly felt that no black man could possibly understand their language and spoke openly in front of him. Whilst doing this dangerous task, he even worked with the famous French spy, Cleopatra Terrière. Eugene did more than just spy, and when a free French group he was with came under attack, he was badly wounded. Rather than allowing him to be captured and interrogated by the Gestapo, his espionage partner, Kitty, was able to successfully doctor his wounds and smuggle him to Spain with his daughters. Later, he was medically evacuated to the United States. He recovered from his wounds in New York City and, joined by his daughters, Eugene settled down to rebuild his life. He was thrilled to see America again, but the only work he could find was as an elevator operator in the Rockefeller Center. It was the job he would hold until he retired. Perhaps through disinterest or just lack of care, whilst he was alive, America never recognized nor even realized the legacy of the brave Corporal Eugene Bullard, who lived amongst them. However, France never forgot. In 1954, the French government requested his presence to help light the eternal flame of the tomb of the unknown French soldier at the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. Eugene, along with two Frenchmen, was given the honor of relighting the flame. Yet, when he returned to America, he received no recognition. France awarded Eugene 15 medals, which included the American Volunteer Medal, the Battle of Somme Medal, the Battle of Verdun Medal, the Medal for Military Wounded, the Combatants' Cross, the Military Medal, and he was made a Knight of the Legion of Honour, the highest honour the country can bestow. However, well after his death, on August 26, 1989, Governor Joe Harris signed a House of Representatives bill enshrining Eugene Jacques Boulard in the state of Georgia's Aviation Hall of Fame. In 1990, he was added to the Black Americans in Flight mural at the St. Louis International Airport. In October 1992, a memorial bust of Eugene was unveiled at the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum. Finally, on August 23, 1994, 77 years after his application to fly for his own country was ignored, Boulard the first black fighter pilot in the world, was posthumously commissioned to a second lieutenant in the United States Air Force. Eugene died in 1961, just a year after being embraced by the President of France at the age of 66, well before the nation of his birth was willing to acknowledge him. According to his wishes, the French War Veterans Federation buried him in his foreign legion uniform with his legion of honour scroll in his right hand. The casket was solid brass and was covered in just one flag, the French tricolor. His pallbearers were all members of the legion and he was placed in the ground at Flushing Cemetery in New York, with full military honours. Before his death, he tried to explain his feelings about both France and America. He said, the United States is my mother and I love my mother, but as far as France is concerned, she is like my mistress, and you love your mistress too, but in a different way.